Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps, because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. And the rubber chicken says, I'd like to take a bite out of Governor Ron DeSantis, but I can't because I got no teeth because I'm a rubber chicken. (laughs) Yes, you are. Yes, you are. And I can understand your anger, but we've got no time for that right now because we've got to get on with Rantcast number 41, Lewis Black's Rantcast number 41, almost forgot my name, entitled Cyber Ninjas, soon to be a Netflix special. Yes, Siri Bob. Wow, Cyber Ninjas working out of Maricopa County, a group that has never, ever, 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 ever been involved in counting, uh, involved in any type of elections whatsoever. And of course they would be hired. Why wouldn't they be hired since they have, you know, no resume to speak of? Because that's what this is all about, really, this time period is is the less you have on a resume, the more we want to hire you. Hence, we have Elise Stefanik possibly becoming, uh, taking over the uh, the power position of Liz Cheney. And, and I would now be finding myself going, holy God, you can't kick out Liz Cheney. You've got a sane voice there. You've got someone who actually has, uh, excuse me, beliefs <laughs> in the system that I hold dear and that I agree with her on, even though I don't agree with practically anything, any any programs, anything that she thinks politically, I don't, but at least there's a give and a take there, and we know that there are limits to this kind of thing. But for God's sake, cyber ninjas run by a man who believes in the conspiracy that the election was stolen from Donald Trump. Is somebody kidding me? Is is anybody home? They just hired the Republican legislature of Arizona, I guess, with nothing to do that day. Said, yeah, let's count it again, even though it had been counted already. And Republicans had already said it was completely fine. And there was no case of of fraud, really, that they saw in any way, shape or form. And this has been gone over and over again. And you've heard it. but, But it has to be repeated over and over again. Okay, 
because it's important for us to get it in our heads so we don't let this bullshit continue to the river of bullshit's got to be stopped okay we got to dam it up all right i don't and it's got to be a pretty high dam and uh, if you take Liz Cheney out and you put Elise Stefanik in, woo, the dam's been lowered, that's for sure. It's unbelievable to me. Unbelievable cyber ninjas. And it probably will be. And that's when we will learn all the whole story about how they counted it up and what they came up with. And I can't wait to see it. It is truly extraordinary. Followed by the extraordinary, oh man, the magician himself, Governor Ron DeSantis, a man who's... Uh, who uh, decided that, yes, what we need in Florida, which also, if you voted for Donald Trump, are you going to take away all those votes too? Oh, Lordy, Lordy, he felt there was fraud there too. The governor did, and we're going to make our laws. We're going to be absolutely sure there's no voter fraud again, and we're going to do that by making damn sure that we Republicans win the election, and that way we know there's no voter fraud. And then he goes on to sign the bill only on Fox television without a newspaper from the state there, let alone any other news organization, but a newspaper from the state uh, during what is supposed to be a fairly, well, in many ways, earth-shaking piece of uh, legislation. And he signed it and he said, well, it didn't really matter. It was really just for Fox because it was ceremonial. So he didn't even sign anything. So the bullshit was bigger than the bullshit. It was the bullshit that was the bullshit. It is bullshit to the fifth power. This is insanity. Okay? I know you want to lock the press out? No. All right? Well, at what point do you not say, you, you know, does this not get stopped? You know, how, how do you not get to take him to court and go, you cannot pull this kind of shit? This isn't, you know, this isn't, you know, Fox News, it's not, uh, the, we're not in the, uh, you know, what do you, you want to replicate the Soviet Union? There's only one news, it's Fox News, or TASS, what I think is the, the name it used to have in, in Russia, but I'm really dating myself, it's probably got a new name, a super name. But wow, what nerve. But let's get on to nicer things. Mother's Day was here. Yes, it was. And I got to see my mom. Uh, this past week on my way down to a special hideout in in North Carolina where I'm hiding away, where I get to see friends and, and play some golf. I'm actually talking to you after playing one of the worst rounds of golf I've played in quite some time, just beating the shit out of myself. That's the way I like to do it. I like to go out in the golf course, take my brain and just bang it against the tree for a while. Uh, did you see Mr. Black hit that shot? No, but I saw him hit his head against a birch and it was a mighty fine swing with his head. It was... Uh, it's been good, though, to get away, and I can feel that um, from time to time that I actually, re I can hear my voice, and I go, wow, that's what I used to, that was what I, things I used to say, and that was what I, it was like, what, that was things Lewis used to say. It seems to come back once you're with your friends and once you're actually in the public square again, a word that I use all the time, because I think that's important, because that's going to make a difference to be out there. I think, and uh, it's certainly been energizing for me. And I certainly think you'll, once, once I hit the road again, which you'll be hearing about shortly, and uh, I'll be sending out a little social media message about that, uh, you will be hearing me yell and scream and shout and rant and rave because I've been sitting on this shit for uh, God knows a year and change now. And uh, I have just about fucking had it up to here with this nonsense and this bullshit. And, uh, but I said I was going to get on to nicer things, and we should. 
because it was a lovely Mother's Day, an important Mother's Day, really, for because uh, it's been a rough year for for mothers everywhere, for sure. Um, to to be you know to have to deal not only with your own health but the health of your children, and looking out for the job that you had, and wondering if you're going to be able to keep it or you know dealing with your job and your children and a whole new world of education. It's it's brutal. Uh, and I, my hat is, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, hats off to you. And that's, uh, I truly admire, uh, and, and want to thank you all for, um, for what you've been able to do through this. And hopefully, uh, this transition that we will be going through shortly is if we, if we can get through it, if there is actual herd immunity, <laughs> as people flee the vaccine, because God knows it's really been just killing people everywhere. Um, while many countries beg for it, we're the only country that goes, nah, you know, nah, I don't want to do that. But it, it's been so tough. So I just hope that for you mothers out there that this year really uh, um, becomes easier for you and better for you. And, uh, and you give yourselves uh, some leeway and a pat on the back and... Uh, and um, and maybe the the time and the energy to to uh, step back for a moment and um, and and take a deep breath and and hopefully not go through uh, you know uh, the uh, the the hell of uh, of uh, some sort of a mental crisis. Uh, I know if you you know don't be hard on yourselves is what I'm trying to say. Uh, you did the best you could under circumstances that none of us, none of us knew we would be up against. And so thank you. Um, I got to see my mom, uh, 102, uh, the, uh, the grand dowager herself, Jeanette Black, um, who has always said, uh, I don't know why we celebrate Mother's Day. Every day is Mother's Day. Uh, she also said that... Um, she was thrilled that this was really a great Mother's Day because why? Nobody was bothering her. And uh, she got lots of um, flowers and gifts, which I was thrilled. I don't know. She does not know who from, but I'm hoping to find out in the next day or so uh, where they did come from. And thank you for those. And uh, I was able to get her uh, mostly stuff, <laughs> mostly locks and, 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 uh, and chocolates and and food really because i know you know she where she is is there, that this is uh, they're not serving that not the good stuff not as my mother says the stuff from new york so um it was nice to be able to see her i and and to watch and as i did this week uh first by myself and then with her finding your roots with uh, the illustrious uh henry Louis Gates, and uh, I was on with um, the very, very funny um, Roy Wood Jr., who has a, a truly extraordinary story, for, that's for sure. Um, I was uh, really just as I was overwhelmed by his tale of his family. It was interesting to watch. There were a few things that were that I would have uh, kind of put in but um but all in all I thought that it was it was told well I wish that I had actually 
gone through the experience of what they had done. And then when he, cause he asked, you know, what do you think? What do you feel? And, uh, usually I go, uh, um, unbelievable. That was my, my go-to word. Much as if you showed a five-year-old, uh, a picture he'd never seen an elephant and, or, uh, um, uh, you know, it's some sort of, uh, you know, some, any kind of an object that a five-year-old, you know, like, uh, the tallest building in the world, whatever it is. And the child would go, what do you think of that? Unbelievable. It's unbelievable. But that was really my reaction. I'd, I'd like to have been able to have seen it because I was overwhelmed emotionally and otherwise, um, uh, to see these names in print, to all of a sudden have a reality to them because these were not many of them, though I knew only um, my grandma, Jenny, uh, the others, I, I did not know. Uh, and I knew Izzy, my grandpa, Izzy and my grandma, uh, but the, the, uh, the great grandparents, I did not know, um, nor had I ever seen uh, these words in, in, you know, you know, that, they, they, the boat they came over on, the, the documents, or, or they, they just strike you. All of a sudden, there is a context. Uh, you are in that context, and that context is breathtaking. It's the only way I can describe it. Um, and I wish everyone could have that experience. Um, I, uh, I, I, and I was really... Uh, you know, uh, amazed to go from mine to Roy's and then uh, stunned really at the end uh, when uh, my my relation, my, my relation is that I'm related to, to Mark Marin, <laughs> which, to which I responded when Mark emailed me, cousin, cousin, and I went, yeah, well, uh, when I when I when he did show it to me, I literally in my brain I thought, "Wow, tell me something I don't know." And Roy Wood is uh, Roy Wood Jr. Uh, he's related to John Lewis. Well, whew. I mean, that's really that's overwhelming. That's unbelievable. I mean, I like Mark, but you know, I'd really I'd like to <laughs> I'd like John Lewis to have been a relation of mine, uh, and. And what Roy had to say, I thought, was uh, really beautiful about his child. It was, it was quite lovely. And also to be able to sit there, I went, uh, and when I was with my mother, I watched uh, the Finding Your Roots. She had not seen it yet. And uh, I think it knocked her out, I think. I, I, I don't, she's, you know, 102, so, it, you know, sometimes she's not totally present. Uh, and she's in her other well, world and, or another realm. Uh, but I think it may have overwhelmed her to see a lot of it in the pictures. Uh, there's a, one picture they show the whole the, the family. It's my, actually my father's family. And she went, she really kind of was stunned by the fact that, you know, they didn't take pictures like that where you got to see everybody and um, in the family. Uh, but I think she really... Uh, when I said, what did you think of it? She said, yeah, they didn't really do it well. And yeah, it was all right. And we had to skip Roy's part because she only wanted to stick with us, understandably. Sorry, Roy. <laughs> it's, it's my mother. Um, but it was really, 
but she really, there was kind of like, you know, they didn't tell it really well. She's always been hypercritical. But what was interesting is over the few days that followed, uh, she watched it a lot, uh, which is really great because I think it gave her a grounding. Um, That's those memories, uh, I think, in the memory bank uh, hold true. You can hang that that uh, the older you get, those are the ones that you hang on to that uh, kind of have a, that stick. And uh, she, when I asked her, you know, she'd seen it again. I said, what'd you think? And she said, I thought they did a very good job. So that was, that was quite nice. And uh, I was very pleased about that. So I'm down in uh, North Carolina with friends in a house down here. And uh, I had to go to the supermarket and, uh, I don't go to the supermarket very often. There's a, it's good that I don't because I really could, I could spend weeks in there. It to me is like visiting a museum of, of art and artifacts. And I mean, I just stand there and stare. There are 300 types of ice cream and 200 types of salami and bacon. And it was, it's just too much. And you price looking at prices and where's it from and the quality of and uh, and this was at Food Lion and and this is kind of like, they're not as crazy as some of the others who really can throw out us <laughs> throw it out there you know with with tons more for you to compare from organic to we're going to, you know, to, to perfect, to, uh, so wholesome. There's nothing in, nothing in the bag but air to, uh, here's a fatty bone, fatty, 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 fattest fatidia that we're going to be serving you cuts of fat uh, in that box and you're going to love it. It's the tastiest fat around. Mm-mm-mm. It is, uh, I mean, the aisles, the, uh, the music that's played, the folks wandering through, standing there looking at, the, the tons of milk, and now there's, you know, oat milk, as I've said, has now joined the list. Gallons, people are buying quarts of, of soy milk now. It's no longer just kind of a, 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 uh, a novelty. They're buying quarts of almond milk. They're, they're, and, then, and then they're juicing up. Uh, I, I got some almond stuff for a friend of mine and wanted an almond creamer that's Got it's, it's it, which I tried. It. It's like unbelievably, it's really tasty because of the, the the way they they sugar it up. Man, oh man, really quite something. But I literally would just stand there staring, staring at product after product, staring at the labels, staring at the uh, variety of produce, wondering uh, which which thing I should buy. Which peanut butter do I buy? I brought one back, and um, one of my friends, Mark, said, "Oh, you, this is this is the natural peanut butter. There's that oil at the top." I said, "Well, didn't you, isn't that the one you're supposed to buy?" Well, you know, I, uh, you know, I guess he he didn't even know, and he's the one who wanted the goddamn fucking peanut butter. I thought, uh, but. Uh, I really, it's like, uh, I have to remember when I'm on the road that it's one of the places I should visit because it seems to be a treasure trove, really. And uh, I should go there to examine more and more and more of really what we're up to. And I shall. I shall because I will have the time. 
to get out there and do that. Because I know that America's wondering, hey, what if Lewis went to a grocery store today? Well, I'll be going there. And uh, so here we go. Another week. Another week of the Democrats and the Republicans, really. The Democrats uh, trying to you know, trying to get the Republicans to help them add and subtract and the Republicans trying to tell the Democrats, no, you can't add and subtract because you're, you're socialists, which they're not, okay? There's nobody knows that definition here, nobody. Certainly not Mitch McConnell. We're going to fight them tooth and nail. We will hold them at the shores to the socialist. No, stop it. It's government overreach. Okay, And the fact of the matter is, I will repeat this over and over again, if the polls are real, people seem to want it. So once again, the way it works in our country is if, if, if most of the people want it and you're the representative and you don't want it, you don't get to vote against it, okay? Because the people want it. And that's the deal. And you keep fighting them and fighting them. And that's what you're doing right now, trying to set up all of these new voter the restrictions of all the voting things so that you guys can do it in, in the sense this whole thing with the big lie, you know, couldn't possibly lose pushing that narrative. That's the way you win it. No. If the people want it, you, you don't get to do what you want. Okay. And it's time to pick up your bat and your ball. And, and if you don't want it and you, you can't uh, win the game, go home. Go home and have dinner with uh, your family and then, you know, get to bed. You know, tomorrow's another day. It's tough Kishitsky. You lost. These people, you lost this. If the polls are real, most people want the government to kind of, you know, even out the playing field again because things are broken, fuckers. Things are broken, and uh, but but not uh, not us, not here at Randcast Forty One. And the Rubber Chicken, by the way, would like to thank all the fans who've been writing in. Uh, he'll be soon doing his own tour, <laughs> the Rubber Chicken tour. I'm sure you'll be excited about that. No need to wear a mask. He's a Rubber Chicken. So we're uh, we're th- we're thrilled to be finishing up now. Uh, we're not going to be uh, on the road today. It's just been the folks who've been sending in their their rants, and I'm thrilled that you continue to do so. Please, please don't stop. Please get them out there. Please uh, let me continue uh, to be your voice. If that if I do it justice, I'm more than happy to be the one who's uh, speaking your words, uh, because I believe your words are important now more than ever. Now, as we certainly uh, hopefully come back into the sunlight again and see each other and deal with each other, you know, you go ahead and speak your mind and uh, I'll help you speak it. You take care of each other. It's been a pleasure spending time with you. Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs projects done well. I absolutely love this because, you know, if you own a home, it can be really hard to maintain. It's hard to find 
people that can help you for a big project or a small. Well, whether it's in everyday maintenance and repairs or making dream projects a reality, it can be hard just to know where to start. But now all you need to do is answer that and find a skilled local pro who will deliver the quality and expertise you need. Angie has over 20 years of home service experience, and they've combined it with new tools to simplify the whole process. Bring them your project online or with the Angie app, answer a few questions, and Angie can handle the rest from start to finish. Or help you compare quotes from multiple pros and connect instantly, which means you can take care of just about any home project in just a few taps. Because when it comes to getting the most out of your home, you can do this when you Angie that. Download the free Angie mobile app today or visit Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I dot com. Here's a rant that comes to us from Bree, like the cheese. I'm a super pasty white person. If I could describe the color of my skin, it would be a cloud on a sunny day. I realized my whiteness has reached a new low when I took a super long bath. I was basting for about two hours as I was reading a book. Once emerging from my tub and drying my hair, I looked down at my feet. I immediately thought, hey, I look like one of those crime scene victims recently pulled out of a river. I had no color whatsoever on my feet. I looked like if boiled cabbage (laughs) became a person. I'd like to add that I have Italian and Native American ancestors. Thanks, Heritage. Go fuck yourself. Sincerely, woman that can't tan but burns, peels, and goes back to being the color of skim milk. The worst milk of all. Well, thank you, Brie Like the Cheese. We all have our crosses to bear, I guess. That's white. My friend Kathleen Madigan is you know, has yelled about the, the, the kind of, you know, the Irish and the red and the freckles and all of that. But whew, this is a new level. And uh, Italian and Native American. Maybe you should check on that. I just had, they did Finding My Roots. You may want to check into that. Somebody's lying to you. You could be coming from a, maybe you're, uh, maybe you've descended from cheese, from brie, not the inner brie, but that outer top stuff that they wrap it in, or whatever that's called. Hillary Pritchard is responding to a uh, a rant that we had a, a, a while ago. I'm about two weeks late here, but finally got around to responding to a previous rant. I'm responding to Colin, who was writing in about America's attitude towards other countries, especially towards the third world. I did a quick Google search, and here's what I found as a definition. What is the definition of a third world country? In many countries, when people hear the phrase third world country, visions of impoverished countries struggling to meet basic human needs are the first to pop up. Oh, this might be true in today's society, but the original definition of a third world country referred to the nations that lacked an alliance with either the U.S. or the former Soviet Union during the Cold War. I did not know that. I found this from the Borgen Project. 
an organization fighting against poverty. Basically, third world countries didn't pick a side in World War II. Yes, they have economic issues, but here's where it gets interesting. These countries usually lack economic stability because of the lack of a functioning class system. Usually, the country will have a upper class and a lower class. Without a middle class to fill the gap, there is almost no way for a person to escape poverty because there is no next step for them on the economic ladder. Well, shit. That sounds a lot like America. The middle class is increasingly shrinking and wages have been stagnant for years. From where I'm sitting, as a grad student in my late 20s, the middle class is basically people who are my parents and grandparents. Yes, many millennials are doing fine, but damn, by the time my parent generation passes, is it just going to be the working poor and 1% with just a few exceptions to that rule? Colin's family doesn't want him to live in a country that's third world. Why? Because they might have a better middle class, better health care. It's like you once said, Lewis, drunk on a bet, you can make it to Canada. People need to go outside the United States to know what's out there. And if you don't have the means, at least read a fucking book. Or Google it. Much love, Hillary. Well, thank you for sharing that, Hillary. That was interesting. I did not know about that. Uh, that was where the third world came from, countries that weren't aligned with either the U.S. or the Soviet Union during the, the Cold War. Every so often, I learned something. Uh, not late, and I got a lot more to learn. Thank you. This rant from Joseph Bochenek about elected representation not representing. Uh, just a quick little bit of a background here from a longer paragraph. I'm a vet myself and was kicked out of the Air Force after 13 years for pretty much being fat. <laughs> wow. I wonder at what point they didn't kind of mention it to you along the way that you may want to, you know, if you wanted to stay in, you should lose some weight. That's, I've never heard that before, yeah, that some would have been kicked out. Okay, you're overweight now. You can't represent your country. <laughs> But here's what Joseph has to say. What the fuck is the problem with our elected representation? I am a conscientious voter and still cannot believe what happens when these assholes cross the threshold. I would like to know what kind of mind wipe, MKUltra, acid tripping, mushroom tea sipping trip these fuckers get on. I want to know why they think we elected them. Because they could speak on our behalf without consulting their constituents? It is evident every time a microphone is thrust in their face or every time they manage to find a soapbox to stand on. I want to see and hear one stand up and say, my constituents and represented population wish to... I don't want to hear people like Schumer... Pelosi, McConnell, or any other holier-than-pope asshole stand up and speak like they have the full authority and confidence of the American people and start to spew incoherent 
adolescent, jaded, tit-for-tat, hot air balloon full of wank and completely fucking exhausted and trying to find the silver linings in our government. I want to see people elected that do not have fat bank accounts or some tilted ideology enter our state and national government. I want to see someone who gets pissed when their kids fight, someone who is wholly intolerant of party line bullshit and wants to figure out how to help people in their community, whether they voted for them or not. I'd love to run for office, but I don't have the money to compete with some Neanderthal who doesn't understand modern society yet has the money to buy influence only so he can look up at the asshole above him and beg for a sniff with the hopes of getting up to the next rung of the political ladder. What the fuck is wrong with term limits for representative positions? I truly believe that shit manages to not get done because too many assholes are comfortable. In this case, familiarity does breed contempt. Let him stay for eight years. Max! then move the fuck on. Otherwise, just spray some heavy starch on the old ones so no one has to carve a statue of them later. Please, baby Jesus, give me the patience not to have an aneurysm caused by these lackluster, ignorant, party-line voting, intentionally polarizing, easy paycheck-claiming cock holsters. Truthfully, Joseph. Thank you, Joseph. Quite nice. It's interesting about that, uh, you know, that term limits, because in some ways it really is necessary. And there are people who need them to be going, nope, get out of here. And then there's some people who really learn from them and uh, who, who really learn by being there longer, I mean. Uh, and the term limits would, would they, they're the ones who really kind of um, can be the glue or were for a long time until the last the last, uh, you know, 10 or 15 or 20 years of this nonsense, however long it's been going on, of this, you know, I need to be elected because that's the most important thing to me. And that's a lot of what goes into this. A lot of it is is just, uh, they're more interested in being elected. That's what they're interested in. Not representation. They're interested in the election. And I'm glad you could get that off the, the, your chest. I always loved reading stuff where people go, fuck you, I'm tired of this nonsense. And so am I. The job is to sit down and talk. Just do it. It'd be fun, wouldn't it? It'd be fun, actually, if you could hear them have a, a real conversation. And if Joe Manchin didn't think he should be the final arbiter, like he's the one. And if, oh, boy, we're all turning to him? Fuck you. Uh-uh. You don't turn to the president and go, you're the final arbiter, and you certainly don't turn to a senator. Not one from West Virginia or Connecticut, New York, California, Texas, I don't give a fuck what state. I truly enjoyed uh, receiving this uh, from Fred Patterson. I'm responding after hearing your rant cast today. Now that's from May 5th. Regarding someone asking about the lack of a minority presence at your show, I am an African-American, and one of the highlights of my life, besides my daughter's birth, was being able to see you live in Las Vegas about 15 years ago. Wow, thank you. I, I'm, I'm, wow, besides your daughter's, wow. Uh, I'm, I, I have to admit, I also noticed the lack of minority presence at the show that night, but I, I didn't give a shit. Me and my companion had a good time, and I even got to meet you after the show. For people to point out 
the lack of a minority presence at your shows is bullshit. No one mentions the lack of white people at some black comedian shows. And trust me, when I do see the one or two white couples at a black show, they look like they're about to be lynched. It shouldn't matter who's in your audience as long as you're funny. What a fucking concept. People need to stop trying to make everything in this country about race and go out and laugh for a while. Maybe the contractions from laughter will pull their heads out of their asses. Lewis, you're one of my favorite comedians. And as a black man, I'm proud to say it. And as Lewis Black, I'm, I'm thrilled to hear it and honored by that. Um, and my, I will never forget that one of um, the truly, uh, I was in Baltimore, Maryland at the improv there one night, way back, way, way back. Just finally, you know, starting to get, to, you know, getting my, my, my shit together. And uh, a woman came up to me out of the audience, uh, a lovely black woman. Her name is Sherry Kirshner. I'm still in touch with her today, her and her husband. And uh, she came up and she shook my hand and she said, my name's Sherry Kirshner and I wanted you to meet your first black fan. And I laughed so hard. I just laughed thinking about it again. Uh, wonderful. It was just wonderful. And she's a, uh, she's a captain in the Navy. She's retired now. But I'll never forget that. And uh, and I really, uh, I won't forget what you just wrote there, Fred. Thank you. Because when I try to talk about it on stage, I really can't explain it. <laughs> I'm supposed to, you know, I, I don't, you know, I, I do what I do. And that's the deal. And I'm glad you enjoy it. A journey into the land of how to make a proper cup of coffee <laughs> from our friend, Parker Duff. Hello again. I've written you a few times, and you give life to my ire. Thank you. Like most Americans, I love coffee and have, on occasion, invested heavily in my addiction. I don't want to be one of those pricks that says you can taste the difference in solid acidity or that the nose of coffee will only bloom via a cold brew process with organic ice meltwater and blessed muslin filters. It's fucking coffee. That being said, over the last year, I've had more than the average amount of time to devote to the way I make and consume the most abused drug. In that, I've gone from one type of filter for my water to another, switched between brown, white, organic, and metal filters, grounds to water ratio, types of grinds, the heat of the water, flow of water. You get the picture. I've made and had a lot of coffee. Well, I got it in my head before that I really should be grinding my own beans. Not that the regular stuff wasn't working. I just thought maybe this is the secret to that perfect cup. Well, like most, I started with the grinders in the store or at whichever national coffee chain sponsors your show. Then, after a while, I don't have a national coffee chain that sponsors my show. If I do, then somebody should tell me about it. 
There should be checks for everybody. Then after a while, those became unreliable due to COVID. So I decided to invest in another tool to help enable me. I went with the electric type first, with all the settings and all the bits and bobs. Look, it's a nice piece of design for that holiday kitchen spread in better homes and gardens. But it left a lot to be desired, inconsistent and just finicky. So I went dirt cheap and well, it was much better. And then I heard some nerds on a podcast talking about hand grinder settings. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to go rustic and get a middle of the road hand grinder. I found one and it looked like a dream. Unfortunately, it didn't come with instructions. I put it off for a while to work through my considerable backstock of grounds. Well, after an all-night writing session for a project, I had finally exhausted all the ground coffee. After a lie-in in the morning, I got up and went to make my brew. I was reasonably excited and filled the grinder up. I'd already adjusted the settings and began cranking. Now, look, I'm not going to blow smoke up your ass here, Lewis, but I'm not athletic, but I am reasonably well-muscled to grind my coffee, right? (laughs) The first bead of sweat hit the wooden pommel of the grinder handle as I moved it. I knew this thing was working. I could feel the resistance, and by the time I had gotten the few tablespoons of whole beans ground, my brow was slick with sweat, but my coffee was ground to perfect consistency, and the entire room began to fill with this beautiful, fresh coffee smell. I was so satisfied, I didn't even make a pot of coffee. Instead, I went and I laid on my couch with a dumb smile on my face. Well, my left hand was numb from the vice grip-like hold I had on the thing to keep it from moving, and my right wrist screaming with pain. I don't know whether to be elated or concerned by this reaction. Thoughts? Well, my thought is that um, really that's what you were looking for. It was not a cup of coffee, but but, but grinding. I mean, the, the smell of ground beans, that's what you were looking for. You don't need to make coffee. You don't even need to drink it anymore. You just need to, every few days, once the, that smell leaves, or maybe little sachets of coffee you can leave, you know, amongst your clothes, like people do lavender. Um, this is Parker. I can't get over the fact. I mean, I understand the obsession. I have friends who are psychotic when it comes to coffee. Um, John Bowman, who off, who, who was open for me for a long time, that was one of his uh, focuses. Was he come in every week? I just got this thing, and it's got a double bevel with a, you know, it's got an astrolabe on it and a, a Geeter switch and. Uh, I just saw this thing, and it really does, though, man. Uh, But I get it. My brother devoted a great deal of time when he was quitting smoking the first time, a long time ago, uh, to coming up with the perfect martini. That was the way he kind of focused himself, that he would come up with a perfect martini, and that got him to stop thinking about smoking. And he... And then he'd uh, have that martini. And, and it started with just one, and then the next night got a little better, and he felt better about it. He had a couple, and then uh, 
worked on it some more. It's a martini, okay? There's only so much you can do, I think. And, of course, I'm sure, you know, if I went to Seattle or uh, a variety of bars in New York and all over the, you know, all over the place now, there are the folks who, who are making great drinks and a there are probably some things about the martini I don't know, but at the time it was really vermouth and some and an olive or a twist or whatever. But he finally was, thought he had the right the right amount and he'd done it and he perfected it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was now drinking five martinis a night and not smoking. He, he'd become an alcoholic. He was no longer a smoker. He was a drunk. So I'm not sure how to. He, what the equivalency is with you, Parker, but uh, I hope you don't get carpal tunnel syndrome. And I hope that you uh, you find that, that perfect cup, that elusive perfect cup. Nothing better than an obsession. This was the time, if you were going to have an obsession, this past year was the time to have it. You know, keep those blinders on and don't think about a fucking thing except a perfect cup of coffee. Good for you, Parker. This comes to us from Lisa Lutterbach. I'm going with that name. <laughs> there could be some some other ways I could say that. Um, she wrote in uh, this uh, rant. And she actually is writing in about uh, those who uh, walk their pooches. But um, she begins with, uh, I wrote this rant quite a while back with hopes it would make the rant is due. Didn't happen. Resubmit it before you stop in my hometown. Then COVID hit. Since we aren't on your revised schedule, I'm more than a little disappointed. Well, I may be on your revised schedule. You don't know. Could be coming up in the, uh, you know, after the first of the year. A rant about the rant is due is gnawing at my insides and likely to be my next submission. It wouldn't be audience appropriate, so I resubmit this revised rant, hoping third time's the charm. Part of me didn't want to read this in hopes that you, Lisa, would write something that was uh, was an audience appropriate with my audience. Are you kidding me? It, it would have to. And so I kind of went, wow, I'd love to read that. But I thought this was well worth reading. And uh, we haven't been hearing. We This is not something we've heard. for. Uh, it, we rarely hear about uh, folks walking their dogs. We hear about the, well, I'll read it. Dear dog walkers, when you insist on walking your designer dog at night, then put some serious light on yourself. I want to see you in your hideous leggings the minute I turn into the subdivision. Don't rely on some Nike symbol the size of a nickel. Wear a reflective vest once in a while, huh? Make like a state farm and be a good neighbor, okay? And that cock-a-doodle-yorkie-poo you so proudly parade around the neighborhood, it's a mutt. Some enterprising idiot took a dog from the pound, slapped a sweater on it, and told you it's a designer breed. No! Your fur baby's pedigree is the result of an open gate and a slutty poodle. What you have is just an expensive foot warmer that farts a lot. But since you've spent... $1,500 on this designer mutt, then spring another $5 for poop sacks. Don't pretend you forgot and promise to come back to pick up their crap. We both know that ain't happening. 
You think you're stealth under that baseball cap, but we know you. And we know where you live. We know where you live. So even if you have to scoop that shit up with your bare hands, you do it. It'll be there to remind you that while you don't think your little mongrel shit doesn't stink, the rest of us do. And we're tired of stepping in it. Yours in vitriol and anger, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa. No, mostly we get it about, I think there's been a few about shit on the sidewalk, but, you know, really the race after the uh, designer dog industries. Quite nice. And not something we've heard. After uh, going through my own dental uh, surgery last week, I thought this would be a, a nice piece to read from Angry Janky Mouth. Hey, Lewis, just wanted to rant about how much our health system sucks and how hard it is to get not even mediocre dental insurance. I have a super shitty problem called hyperdontia. It means I can't stop growing teeth. It's uh, unbelievable. I have no idea uh, that even existed, that that could be a problem. Um, I can't imagine it. Uh, I, you, you go, what could be worse than losing teeth would be having more teeth just showing up. And well, I'll read. Uh, I just never heard of that. Through my 35 years of life, I've had at least 19, you listening audience, 19 extra teeth removed. I think it's more because I didn't count the last three that were protruding from my gums and fucking up my jawline. Ow, 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 ow. I've had problems since around the sixth grade removing these fuckers. Specialists had to remove a baby tooth at age 12 to allow a permanent tooth in. I am astonished. I had three baby teeth removed that tried to grow in one spot, yet no adult tooth. It's a mess. Dental shit is expensive as fuck. I had braces for seven years because they couldn't fully fix everything. It got so bad, my excess teeth were eroding my jawbone and had to be removed immediately. Thousands of dollars for my shitty teeth. Even now, years later, I'm having financial problems despite having great dental insurance. My gum lines are eroding and I have teeth that wiggle at the slightest provocation. This is fucking ridiculous. We're supposed to be one of the world's superpowers and we can't even fix a normal person's teeth which they need to eat and function? Are you fucking kidding me? I'm so embarrassed by our country, especially living in Europe, because my husband is in the army and we had to move. I truly don't understand the senators and governors that just go, sucks for you, and basically shits on anything that can help the American people. My teeth would have rotted out of my head if not for my husband's insurance. I can't imagine how the average American deals with no dental among other things. It's disgusting and disgraceful. George Carlin said it best, senators and governors should be forced to wear whatever company is sponsoring them to vote against shit. He had a way with words, didn't he? I get it. I'm very lucky that I can afford to have the uh, work that's being done uh, in terms of the 12,000 implants I'm getting. You're getting too many teeth and mine are popping out of my head. I've inherited whatever my mother, uh, you know, uh, gave to me in terms of, uh, you know, maintaining, you know, the, the, uh, 
what is it? The, the jaw just won't hold the teeth or whatever. I don't know. And I didn't floss enough because they didn't tell us about flossing until it was way too late. Oh, it wasn't brushing your teeth. It's the, you really have to floss. Well, fuck you. Tell me that when I'm 40, you fucking pricks. But really to stay on it, it's, I'm, I'm, I can afford it. And it's psychotic what it costs. Just psychotic. And there, there just doesn't seem to be anyone. It's never dealt with. It's just the way it is. I don't know how people manage. Um, I remember my grandfather having to take the, you know, the, the, you know, people still have to do it where they have to take the dentures out. Of their, and um, it's just tough. That's the solution. Got to be a better way. Um, I'm sure they will, they'll come up with it. Somebody will do something. Go, oh, that was what it was. Oh, if we'd all just put two cents into the, that milk carton at the front of the elementary school every day for until we were in the sixth grade, we could have paid for everything. Good luck with those teeth. A rant about child protective care. There's something, huh? Child protective care. And it comes to us from tired mom again. I was admittedly an asshole as a kid. I lied and stole when I shouldn't have. My mother sent me to a psychiatric ward as a result. I was around 12 or 13 at most, hanging around 16 to 18-year-olds in a legit mental hospital. I was supposed to get therapy and work through my supposed anger issues. I, I grew up so fast there. During therapy with everyone, I heard horrific tales that made me cower. Fortunately, because I was so young and small, everyone took pity on me. I can't even explain how harrowing it was to have someone escape a top floor and run free in the building. We had to huddle in a room with the lights off and no noise as we listened to whomever was being taken down and returned to their room, hopefully. It was a bit traumatizing. Regardless, I was kept there for around a year because I stole some candy from a store. Who, who, who hasn't done that? I get that kids act out. We're assholes. It's what we do. We push boundaries. But that doesn't mean you should send a kid to a therapist and force drugs on them to cure them into being functioning adults. I despise Ritalin and would bitch anyone out that advocates it. It would literally make me stare at a wall for hours without making a sound. How the fuck is that okay to give to kids? Parents need to chill the fuck out over high-functioning or super-energetic kids. Let them fucking run around and burn off their energy instead of turning them into fucking robots that have no feeling or emotion. Or actually, pay attention to what they like. Make a vested interest in who they are and shut the fuck up. So many parents pass their kids off to the side, it's disgusting. You had the kid, man the fuck up. Pay attention to who they are and what they like. Maybe, maybe you can find some common ground. Having kids isn't an accomplishment. It's a fucking chore. No parent will deny that. But it's a chore that loves the fuck out of you and sees you as a hero. The least you can do is step up and try to be that hero. Fuck Karens be interesting to see the reactions to this tired mom i don't know enough uh, I've, ne- I've never i've i like riddling for myself <laughs> because it's, it's a good speed i mean i only did it 
Uh, once I think I was at some kind of uh, party and somebody said, uh, you want to try some riddle? And I went, well, yeah, what is that? I know they give it to kids. And they went, it's speed. Well, what are we giving kids speed for? I've always thought that was strange. I always thought it was fucking odd. I always thought it could not be healthy. But I don't really know enough. Uh, mostly because I didn't have kids and I wasn't that interested because I, I really was trying to figure out how to get a script for <laughs> Riddle It. Thank you, tired mom. Ryan Bauman has written this uh, rant entitled Police Impersonators Over Public Safety. Disturbingly, it has come to my attention that online retailers, including the big one, are selling red and blue flashing emergency lights for vehicles to the general public. How in the fucking fuck, fuckity fuck has this been permitted to go on? What goddamn lawmakers push to permit this, knowing the risk posed to women and children by a predatory imposter cop? I always imagined you would need police credentials. But all you need is cash or a valid credit card. I went all the way through the checkout, my jaw tightening and fist clenching each step as my anger boiled. I stopped before confirming the order, then canceled and called the actual police in the city where this online business is operating. Apparently, selling the lights to anyone is perfectly legal anywhere in this country and only becomes a felony for the user if the lights are activated on a public roadway. Is this not a scum-sucking business recklessly endangering the public for profit? Nearly every state in the country has similar laws, other than what color, red or blue, is illegal in that state. How can legislators be so fucking short-sighted to allow this idiocy? Why not sell bazookas so long as people promise not to use them? Police emergency lights are not collectibles or memorabilia, these lights are ultra top of the line, modern eye melt, blinding as shit emergency lights. Do legislators not have the foresight to realize that besides fucking predators, there are terrorists, foreign and domestic, who may desire such police accessories as camouflage to carry out attacks? What happens when the terrorists and the police are in the same uniforms and vehicles? virtually indistinguishable from one another. Hmm? State laws and business profit motives are enabling police imposters to accurately impersonate police officers. I can't believe this horse shit is legal. No one other than police have any legitimate reason to buy red and blue emergency lights. Fucking goddamn it. And they don't really need to buy red and blue emergency lights. They should be given red and blue emergency lights. But then again, if we go back, you know, once we do this thing where we're going to tax a little more, maybe, uh, to the rich people, and then we go back to to not taxing, and maybe the, <laughs> the local constabulary would have to buy their red and blue emergency lights. This I'm going to fucking leave. We used to have a place of, a parking spot way back when in high school where my in college where my uh, behind where my friend Len Hughes, the, the 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 magnificent merch salesman and a good friend of mine for a long long time and uh, behind his house from 
was uh, the place where we went to. And uh, he had, I believe it was him, uh, one of those red lights that would appear on top of a cop car. And once, and you would just kind of put it up there and, you know, it had suction on it, stick it down there and then sneak back and scare whoever the fuck was back there. It was quite a delight when you're 16 and, uh, and quite a panic if you're in the car when you're 16. But that's what we just did back then. We weren't, um, <laughs> that was for fun. This is not for fun. This is uh, really amazing that they allowed us. They, I, it's amazing they allowed my friend Lenny or his dad or whoever to buy that red emergency light. But I guess you were supposed to use it in case something happened at the side of the road. Who the fuck knows? I certainly don't. But uh, it brought back fond memories. And now, of course, in the land we live in now, fuckity, fuck, 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 as you were saying there. Thank you. A bit of an eye-opener here from Joseph Walker, an eye-opener for him and probably an eye-opener for many of you. Um, A recent windfall from the sale of my house allowed me to finally realize my own personal American dream. What was that dream, you ask? Start a business? Mm -hmm. Travel the world? Take up a beloved hobby for a living? Oh, please, nothing is soul-enriching as that. I was finally able to, ta-da, pay off my crushing debt. Yes, the new American dream, where if you bust your ass and make sacrifice after sacrifice, you too can skyrocket from the base camp of has less than nothing to the summit of Mount has nothing. Ah, fucking zah. But don't let me deny my responsibility. Ultimately, I took on the debt. I did it. Yup, it was me. Some of the debt was necessary. Some of it was unnecessary. And some of it was as frigging dumb as walking into a strip joint named Club GHB with a fistful of new credit cards and a Viagra-soaked crotch. Nope. I heard the goddamn piper, and I was the one who had to pay him off. So what vexes ye, ye might ask? It's that after paying off all this debt, I expected my credit score to skyrocket. But it didn't. It dropped faster than a tab of acid at a Grateful Dead concert. Dropped. Dropped! Fortunately, my score was good to begin with, so I could take the hit. But that's not the point. If it had not been so good, it might have left me in a position where I could be denied financing to purchase a car, denied the ability to rent an apartment, or even denied a job. I sat down with an associate at my local bank to ask how to get my score back up. He said the best way might be to take out a loan on my car, which I had just fucking paid off. It took the total sum of my self-control to resist howling like a Viking on a bender and lunging across the desk straight for his throat. Soon after, while ruminating about how it was a good thing I was not going to go to prison for manslaughter, it occurred to me that I'd been lied to. We have all been lied to. 
Your credit score is not a measure of how good a financial citizen you are. It's more like two suits at a three-martini lunch asking, hey, on a scale of 250 to 900, how much money do you think we can gouge out of this filthy peasant? (laughs) To wit, if I could travel back in time to find my college-age self, I would give him just two pieces of advice. One, if you can't afford to pay cash for it, or it generates no equity, you can't afford it. Two, if Candy in the sparkling thong says that you are the hottest guy to walk into the place all night, do not believe her. Do not believe her. Do not believe her. Regards. Joseph Walker. Thank you for that enlightenment, Joseph. Um, uh, I deeply appreciate it. I I think many probably appreciate it. It is unbelievable that that is the way our credit scores are. I always wonder that ad that, uh, what is it, the Expedia ad boosts your credit score. So what do they do? Do 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 they just make purchases on people's credit cards and their score goes up? Is that how that fucking purple cow, whatever it is, works, huh? That is unbelievable. I mean, it's, it's just we're, the, the, the mindless, senseless way that the capitalism runs some of its shell games is just beyond belief. I mean, I think capitalism, uh, you know, has its moments. But, uh, you know, if it's, if it, you know, I'm sorry, the way it works is it, it's not benevolent enough for me. And this is just fucking stupid. And thanks for sharing that stupidity with with, with us, okay? And uh, I, I, I hope uh, I hope you've learned your lesson with candy. Take care, Joseph. A rant by John Rose. Thank you for making the rantcast. I enjoy it every week, even if I'm in a foul mood, or perhaps especially if I'm in a foul mood. I hope you keep it going for a long time. And I especially love the rubber chicken. That guy needs to repent for what he said. You're absolutely right. You are absolutely right, John. I have wanted to send in a rant for a while, but the quality of the rants is so good that I've been put off. I'm glad you think that they're good. And I'm sorry that they put you off in the sense of not wanting to send one in. I'm glad you have. Um, but for those of you who do send in the ranch, you should know that um, and, and, and that people really do appreciate the level of the writing, which, which I certainly have, have been uh, really thrilled by. But I think I will have to get this out. Pedestrian as it is. Oh, there's no such thing as a pedestrian rant. Allow me to skip over the background bullshit that pisses me off over here in sunny fucking England. COVID, politicians, the royals, the legal system, nostalgia for the empire, jet lag, and not being able to get jet lag right now, cars and bikes with loud exhausts and the prices of everything. My rant is a simple rant about manners and privacy. Yes, I am English and want to complain about manners. Good for you. I am a veritable toast rack of cliches, twaddle and quirks that were learned to me in the Church of England School of Being British. I apologize in advance. Manners, vanilla, run-of-the-mill, type 
owe manners. Maybe this is a global problem. I don't know, but it's certainly a problem here in the land of tea and fucking biscuits. I'm not talking about swearing or using the correct fork in a restaurant. Fuck all that. Who are we kidding? We all look terrible when we eat, and swearing should be mandatory by now. What I mean is the really simple stuff, such as being nice, assuming that people mean well, and in particular, minding your own fucking business. I'm a pretty nice person, and I have absolutely no interest in offending anybody for sport. In fact, I am close to being violently uninterested in most people, or indeed are passing interactions. Please don't take that as a slight, dear strangers. That's just me. It's not you. I want a quiet life. I am kind, possibly even generous, because I need peace. I keep a small circle on purpose. I love my wife, my children, and my dogs, and I'm lucky enough to have a few friends that, for the most part, get me. But I'm prone to depression and stress, and I recently discovered that my heart works poorly for somebody my age. And so what I really need is for perfect fucking strangers to take their baggage somewhere else so that I don't have an aneurysm because they don't know what is appropriate, fair, or decent behavior. I'm six foot four and have recently started to wonder if some people aim to piss me off on purpose and hope that I will lose my temper and beat them half to death in order that they will feel the old rush of a world before social distancing. It could just be me, I suppose, but I, I do wonder. I repeat, manners, be kind, risk feeling awkward even. I don't care. Just be kind. Pretend that I'm deaf. Imagine a nice little old lady with a cane. Imagine I'm a dog with three legs. Just give me the basic kindness we all understood and valued when we were children. John, that was quite something. And well written, I will tell you, in my humble opinion. And I enjoyed reading it. And I am thrilled that I now have an audience in England and in Canada. And and in spots around the world, and that makes me very happy. And I think manners are important. And uh, hopefully uh, when the doors of the world open again and we all get back together, that uh, maybe because of what occurred, we would, we would have a sense of those, those manners again. Etiquette, that, that sense of caring for one another, just giving that space to each other. Maybe, maybe social distancing has taught us a little something about just giving that type of space to people. Maybe, <laughs> but don't count on it, John. But do count on your writing. It's good, and it was enjoyable, and I loved reading it. And uh, I even got a bit of a, a kind of a, not, I, didn't, I don't do an accent, but I, I thought I'd give a little bit of a, what I thought was a, an English attitude. I hope it worked for you. And I certainly hope it worked for the crowd, the crowds who are listening. Thank you. This comes to us from Kieran Richardson. Um, he's been writing uh, uh, for a long time uh, to the uh, rant is due. And um, certainly while we were on the road, uh, we received a number of uh, really wonderful um, pieces that he has written. And uh, I always enjoy reading them, even if I don't 
uh, get to put them out there on the airwaves, but I'm bringing you one today. And, uh, and thanks again, Kieran, for this. This is uh, Unequal Pay by Kieran Richardson. There are only two guys in the world I'm jealous of. Both of them are geniuses. They don't have to work. <laughs> Their wives make all the money. As far as I know, they sit around in their underwear all day drinking tequila in fancy blue bottles. I don't see them anymore. I tell myself I just can't afford to do what they want to do. But the real reason is I can't stand to see the shit-eating grin under their bloodshot eyes and happy faces. Both their wives work in healthcare. My sugar mama picked teaching. So like the rest of you shitheads, I have to put on pants and go to work. If she'd been a surgeon, I'd be in my underwear and drunk on a $100 a shot whiskey right now. A few nights ago, we were talking about our finances. Sugar Mama reminded me that since she retired, she's now making more money than I am. I, of course, said this is bullshit retirement. On paper, she retired after 30 years of teaching, but she went right back to the classroom, double dipping. I was telling this story to my father. So now that you are older, you're mature enough to be okay with your wife making more money than you, he asked. What the fuck? This is the man who lived with the woman who gave birth to me. My mother, the teamster, would never put up with that chimp thinking. Okay with it, I said. I wish he would go get another goddamn job. For most of our marriage, the wife made more than me. But I quit teaching and worked in the private sector. Less stress, less hours, and a lot more money. I would have been a hell of a lot happier if she'd continued to kick my ass in the wage game. Fuck those people who say teachers have it easy or get a decent salary. I'll never understand the pay gap. Don't these dumb shits know that paying women less means less for their own families? Are there still enough men with stay-at-home wives that this makes some sort of sense? Of all the people I know, I only know one guy whose wife doesn't really work. And she's a classic rich bitch who spends all her time planning parties and vacations. So who is supporting this gender pay gap? Are there a bunch of gay men setting every pay range? There are not enough gay men in the universe to exert that kind of control. It would have to be a bunch of secretly gay men married to their underpaid beards. That fucking closet would have to be the size of Africa. Is it the goddamn Illuminati, Freemasons, and the Holy Spirit keeping half the world down? Am I one of only three geniuses in the world who want their wives to make more money than I could ever spend? Or is it that my mother was right all along? Men really are this fucking stupid. <laughs> I read this on uh, Mother's Day. Thank you for that. I, I express again my thanks, Kieran. It is always a pleasure to hear from you, and that's a, a wonderful piece on unequal pay. It is. You got to wonder. I, I just, it's astonishing. It's just astonishing. Thank you. Another rant about dogs and their poop from a dog owner. 
interesting when we get uh, a couple of folks writing in on the same subject. <laughs> I guess people are getting out. They're wandering their neighborhoods. This is from Gary Ravis, or Raves, it could be. Um, but I will go with Gary Ravis. I am a dog owner and have been a dog owner for many years. I've discovered that dogs poop. Dogs poop a lot. With this knowledge in mind, when I go anywhere with my dogs, my pockets are full of little plastic bags known as poopy bags. When my dogs leave a deposit, I dutifully scoop it up with the poopy bag and carry the bag around until I can dispose of it properly. Do I enjoy carrying a bag of shit around with me on my hikes or walks? Hell no! But it is my responsibility as a pet owner to clean up after my pets. So how come everywhere I go, there are so many piles of dog shit left behind by stupid or selfish pet owners? There's dog shit on people's lawns. There's dog shit in the street. There's dog shit on the sidewalks. There is dog shit at the park where children are playing. There is dog shit every fucking where. This is really disgusting. And it gives responsible pet owners like myself a bad name. If you cannot clean up after a dog, then don't get a dog, okay? It's that simple. What even gets me angrier than seeing piles of dog shit everywhere are the dog owners that scoop up their dog's waste and leave the poopy bag filled with shit on the ground as if they believe a poop fairy is going to come along and pick up the poop bag and leave a quarter in its place. I'm so tired, so tired of rude and inconsiderate people. And while we're on this shitty subject, why aren't horse owners required to pick up their animals' waste? Yes, I know horses are vegetarians and their waste is safe for the environment, I also realize horses' poop cannot transfer diseases to human beings, but it's still fucking shit. Just clean up after your animals. Thank you, Gary. Um, I don't quite understand the. Do you have horses that wander around your neighborhood? <laughs> Are people riding? Do you live in a neighborhood where people ride horses in the neighborhood? Does the Pony Express come through? It's just odd. I just. I can't imagine that horses are shitting willy-nilly in, uh, in the suburb of Los Angeles. I just can't imagine that. But uh, I enjoyed that, and especially in light of others that I've uh, read about um, dogs and their poop. And the fact that, boy, you leave a responsibility to many Americans, and they just go, nah, it's too much. I can get two-thirds of it done, and then, whew, i got to take a nap. Thanks for sharing, Gary. <laughs> Thank you. The writer of this rant has requested anonymity. Before I get up ahead of steam, I want to apologize for not giving my name because of my job. I'm a teacher in an inner-city school in the United Kingdom, a school that suffers from a lot of economic deprivation as a result of 40 years of trickle-down economics. Oh, I hate that. That have trickled down in the sense that someone's arse might after, eat, after eating something a little spicy. The school is full of dedicated people, and I don't want them to be associated with my splenetic blathering. I teach what would be 
high school in the United States, and I am aware that I am supposed to be an upstanding member of the community, but I'll be honest with you. I've seen so much bullshit nonsense in the news recently that I have one nerve left, and these dickheads are getting on it. I noticed a story in the paper recently about the confirmation hearing of President Biden's pick for health secretary, Xavier Becerra. Now, I don't know anything about the gentleman in question, but I can smell hypocrisy and bullshit when it wafts up my beak. Republican senators were denouncing him as, and I quote, unfit for any position of public trust. Christ on a bike, I thought. What the hell must this guy have done to disgust these bastions of morality and public probity? I assumed it must be bad. I mean, these bastards have just sat through an impeachment trial and have barely contained their indifference before voting to acquit the colossal tool in the White House for the last four years. I read on, anxious to find out what the terrible deed Mr. Becerra had committed was. Maybe he was behind the decision to change the charge board on the iPhone. Hmm. Perhaps he is one of those online nuggets who call themselves a defender of free speech, but who really just want an excuse to speak to people like a prize buffoon. I read on in nervous anticipation. It seems his terrible crime was he wants to expand access to health care and may be in favor of socialized medicine. Well, put me in a dress and call me Judy. I am just about sick of hearing about all of the supposed evils of universal state health care, free for all at the point of delivery. I'm not even going to call it socialized medicine and buy into that bullshit narrative. Thank you. Our National Health Service is one of the most popular institutions of any sort here in the United Kingdom, and our health workers are regularly at the top of the list of most trusted professions. It's only free market Fruit Loops and controversy entrepreneurs who want to get rid of it, the parasitical dickheads. Then I force myself to calm down for a moment. What terrible evils has our National Health Service inflicted on me? I wonder if these senators hate it so much. Maybe I'd overlook something. Well, I was born in a knife-safe hospital, free of charge. I received all of my vaccinations when I was a kid, all free of charge. Anytime. I have needed medication or hospital care or an unscheduled trip to accident and emergency due to my own idiocy, such as the time I got drunk as a teenager and pretended to be a ninja turtle. I have been able to receive the care I needed, all without worrying about whether I had enough money or being denied care because of said stupidity. As if that wasn't enough, I'm under 50 and have already received my first COVID vaccine jab and about to get my second. And those shots of AstraZeneca based up yours to COVID, they were gratis too. Nothing. Free. Nix. You're going to love this one, folks. I got a text one Thursday evening, booked a time less than 48 hours later, arrived, got the jab, 
and left within 10 minutes. That is socialized medicine at work, you survival of the fittest right-wing gas bags. And this is not a slight on America. I love the place with all of its greatness as well as its batshittery. Our politicians have tried to dump on the NHS too. Just the other day, our health secretary, Matt Hancock, claimed that there has always been enough personal protective equipment for our frontline medics during the COVID-19 emergency, and those complaining about shortages were wrong. Shit on a stick. I'm surprised he can turn his head with the brass neck that thick. There was enough protective equipment, he says. Tell that to the poor bastards who had to treat virus patients wearing plastic bags a year ago, you absolute weapon. What do you think it was? A bloody fashion choice? Do you think there were medics looking in the mirror and saying, oh, yep, the gown is good, mask is okay, but shit, this visor and protective headgear is not right. Do me a favor, tip your your shopping out of that bag. That color works better with my eyes. For the love of Beelzebub's balls, some of these politicians aren't fit to clean the scrubs of our healthcare workers who are and have long been the best of us. I'm going to stop now before, as my nan used to say, I make an exhibition of myself. I'd just like to end by saying to you and the other ranters, thank you for the laughs and putting the world to right. To those in healthcare, shop workers, transport workers, and anyone else who has helped all of us through this. You have my gratitude and admiration for what it's worth. And to those politicians who criticize the idea of affordable health care as a basic human right, I say this. I hope that I win the lottery so that I can buy up any property you use, evict you, and then turn it into affordable housing for those who actually do something useful. Jog on, you Muppets. Yours in solidarity and exhaustion. The Cockney teacher. Well, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just, I love hearing that stuff about the National Health Service. And I think it's important for people to hear it because of the nonsense that blowhards hear. Oh, boy, you got to do this. It's really, boy, there are people there. They're, you know, they're getting in line. People die in line. It's just extraordinary. The the the, the, the insane arrogance uh, about making you know this the, the, the of, of their comments of their criticism uh, in a country that that uh, forces so many people to end up in emergency room, and that's the way we you know so that we can have the most expensive medical care on earth and. We die sooner than other people. I mean, it's just beyond it's beyond the the, the comprehension. Uh, you could you could explain this to a sixth grader and they'd fucking get the information and understand it. Not our guy. You're right, though, boy. That the idea of buying up the uh, the housing uh, and, <laughs> and, and 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 turning into affordable housing for people who actually do something useful. That's quite splendid. And um, and also to point out that folks, you know, who don't think that the rest of the world watch us, they watch us. They watch us very closely. So what we do matters. 
as a country. It matters a lot. It matters more than most people understand. And it makes a huge difference. And it could make the world a better place if we wanted to make this country a better place. But why would we want to do that? Oh, boy, it's great. Uh, it's great to hear from you. I look forward to hearing from, from all of those who live outside the country and those who live here. Remember, send it in, send it in your stuff. Whatever you got to say, whatever stories you got to tell, I'm here. And I got nothing but time. Here's a quick little rant from Mark Jones. If you've seen these damn coal rollers, pickup truck owners who rig their truck's exhaust to specifically spew black soot into our breathing space, it's not even legal. Yet no one dares say anything to these cretins because there apparently is some law stating that if you have one of these rigs, you must have a loaded rifle in a gun rack mounted in the rear window. Yes, you do. Mm-hmm. Thank you, Mark. I appreciated that. There are things I don't know about. I did not know they called these coal rollers, but I've seen them. Every time I've seen one, they do have a gun rack. I haven't seen a lot of them, but um, thank you for uh, the education. And it's apparently more and more and more of us get ready to hit the road, to take a vacation, to go somewhere, to hop on a plane, to get in a train if you still do that. I do. I love them. There's everybody out there who's getting ready. This is a rant from Michael Berger. <laughs> it's short but sweet but to the point. What the fucking fuck? Why is it that all the fucking advertisements for resorts and exotic destinations have perfect fucking models that look drop-dead gorgeous in bikinis. Do those fucking public relations people think that there's not any 350-pound butt-ass ugly people out there that would make a fucking freight train take a fucking dirt road? We have money too, you fucking assholes. What the fuck? Have you ever thought, hey, we would increase business by 80% if we showed normal, fucking, ugly, fat bastards on our ads. Fuck all you perfect fucking morons. Thanks for sending out those fucks, Michael. Always appreciate it. And, uh, and something that no one has really ever flat out just said <laughs> in any of the rants. I always love it. I always love when there's a new message. It's like a finding a new kind of a message in a fortune cookie really or if the numbers in it actually won you the lottery perfectly done to the point splendid thank you mr burger here's a bit of enlightenment that comes to us as a rant from eric markley at least it was enlightening to me you tell me if you think the following facebook post i just made qualifies as a rant I'm too inside the damn thing to be able to tell with any objectivity. So here goes. We need a free app for people wanting to find homes for homeless pets because Facebook has become more of a family-oriented app. But let me explain. Some of us have animals. A certain percentage of people who love animals, such as myself, have flashbacks and unwanted thoughts of a result of seeing those posts. I mean, to be more specific, I'll share a segment of a private conversation I had with a friend who shall remain nameless, so don't even ask, on the same subject. Truthfully, 
it causes my brain to not only have flashbacks, but also my brain will sit there and ruminate over it, among other things, like imagining my own current dog in whatever situation is presented in the post, which throws me into protection mode and then inner chaos. People with CPTSD have to be very careful about what they're exposed to on a daily basis. It's pretty nightmarish, to be honest, because everyone is being constantly bombarded with all these societal expectations and norms via television and social media, much of which is triggering to those with CPTSD. Take, for example, my issues with watching the Hallmark Christmas movies. Every intimate relationship I've ever had ended, usually badly. So now I find myself getting disgusted with other people's happiness, even though my conscious mind knows that it's just a TV program and in no way represents reality. And yet I still get flashbacks and full-on panic attacks when I start watching those. I literally have to leave the room. There isn't very much left that everyone else enjoys that I can also enjoy. I can barely manage to watch Star Wars episodes 1, 2, 3, 7, 8, 9 without panicking because everything on screen was just moving so fast and the scenes were so full of content that all my senses got overloaded. The phenomenon I'm describing is known as hypersensitivity. The C in CPTSD means complex. It used to mean childhood. For FYI, and thank you for that, I did not know. Until we have enough of us with hashtag PTSD and hashtag CPTSD come forward and provide enough evidence for the general public, we cannot move forward with the situation and we will continue to suffer. To all of my fellow PTSD and CPTSD humans, now is a great time to start helping others understand what we're going through. Even if it's simply a verbal description, all I ask is that you get through today, even if it has to be moment by moment, just allow yourself to get through the day. But I must ask that you do get through the day. I know that one is very difficult at times for many of us, including myself, but our families are counting on us in an effort not to try to control others. I came up with the idea of coming up with an app for finding good homes for homeless animals. Hey, hashtag app makers, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Maybe after that, we can find the courage to create an app to help find the homeless an actual home. Besides jail slash halfway house slash shelter, you have to have a legal address in order to begin to find the ladder of success to climb it in the first place. If we can find the courage to do that, perhaps we can also find the courage to stop all this hatred toward those which whom we do not understand. People of color, indigenous individuals, education, the scientific method, climate science, medicine, stuff like that. If you made it this far in this post, you have my gratitude. It's been my pleasure, Eric, to read it and to share it. I think the idea of uh, an app to finding a home for homeless uh, animals is great. Finding homeless people... <laughs> Places to live is great. Homes for the homeless. 
those are great ideas and also sharing what CPTSD and uh, PTSD is like. I think that's important. I think it's incredible that it's taken this long, really my lifetime, for us to discuss mental health and mental health issues. And uh, hopefully we will grow. Hopefully. It would be nice after we come out of this. But some people just don't believe it. And there'll always be people saying that, that, that folks are faking it. And there will be folks who fake it, because by God, if this country can teach anybody anything, it's out of bullshit. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for not bullshitting. Thanks to all of you for listening to my Rantcast. If you have a rant you want to get off your chest, send it in to me at lewisblack.com forward slash live. You can think of it as therapy or whatever you want to think of it as. Just let it rip. And I want to thank the true stars of our show, the ranters and the splendid rants they gave us. Lewis Black's Rantcast was created and hosted by me, Lewis Black. It is produced by James Salkine. Our theme song by Chris Lane. Executive producer, Ben Brewer. Executive producers, Matt Kleinschmidt and Robert Kelly for the Laugh Button Podcast. And most of all, thank you, all of you who ranted so well on this show.